You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. We always talk about these children. They're not someone else's children. They're our children. As if they don't have enough issues to deal with, they now have an idea, and I honestly thought this was just a belated April Fool's joke, but they are actually going to create in the Department of Homeland Security a Bureau of Disinformation. It's basically a ministry of truth. And what they want to do is they want to be able to put out false narratives without people being able to speak out and fight back. We don't know what homeowner, which homeowner shot at him. Um, I guess they think that they did something wrong, which they did not. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. And politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you wet. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free.
Looking for the truth? Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, committee from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you can probably already tell I've not got my usual voice uh, active. I unfortunately uh, have uh, a bit of a sore throat. I've uh, been downing uh, all kinds of cough drops and trying to keep it smooth and and soothe so that I could uh, give you a couple hours today. But uh, unfortunately, uh, if my voice cracks a little more than usual, please forgive. Uh, if I miss the uh, the button uh, to, to keep from coughing uh, on the recording, please forgive. I will try to hit it as quickly as possible. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that's just where I'm at right now. Still not feeling great, but uh, you know that's that's it. I, I couldn't miss coming on with you today. Monday. Monday, a literal bomb was dropped in the middle of the political landscape of the United States of America. What we have is an unusual and a difficult situation to explain. An unprecedented event occurred. A leak of a Supreme Court draft for what looks like the majority opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade was leaked to the press, and Politico ran with it. Now, in years gone by, this would have never happened. We literally live in a time where we are so divided that the maniacs on the left want George Floyd-style riots in the streets. They want those who are following the programming to the left to, to go into the streets, to literally burn down the entire system, burn down every bit of private property that belongs to somebody, whether or not those individuals worked their entire lives to have a little bit of something they could call their own, or if they inherited it, uh, it, it doesn't matter what the source is. It would appear that Chief Justice Roberts is not part of the majority opinion. It would appear that there are still at least five people that are sitting on the Supreme Court that recognize Roe v. Wade as being exactly what it is, a completely made-up piece of garbage that even judicial scholars that lean heavily to the left have freely admitted that it is one of the single worst pieces of jurisprudence in the history of the United States because it made inferences and, and connected dots that don't exist to create out a whole cloth the supposed constitutional right to murder a preborn human child. It is difficult to believe. It is difficult to imagine the absurdity of what was done by the court when it came up with this decision. So it was known that it was only a matter of time before eventually 
a case would come before the Supreme Court at a time when there were a majority of justices that believed in the Constitution and believed that precedent alone is not enough to justify allowing to stand a ruling from a previous court that is just flat wrong. Now, the most important thing to remember, something I know I don't have to tell you if you're a regular listener of this show, but something you may have to inform your less informed friends and neighbors and family members, is that even if the justices hold where they are now and Roe v. Wade is indeed overturned by the Supreme Court, that doesn't do away with abortion in the United States. It simply sends us back to how the laws governing abortion were handled before Roe v. Wade, which means it's done at the state level. See, for some time now, the American people have forgotten that there are limiting principles to what the federal government is supposed to be doing. They don't limit state and local governments to the same level that they limit the federal government. The idea was the framers of the Constitution, the founders of this nation, understood that we wanted a federalist-style government where there was a unified federal government that took care of the bare necessities and then was non-existent in the rest of your life. They didn't want them doing things. That's why they created the two-house system. That's why they created opportunities for the states to be able to push back on one another. That's why there is such a thing as a filibuster. It's designed to grind things to a halt. It's designed to make sure that there is true and honest debate and that a true majority can be founded before moving forward with anything. It's to avoid knee-jerk reactions, and it's to avoid tyranny. But the left right now, the political left in this country, wants tyranny. The fact that there were protests on the steps of the, concert, uh, of the uh, Supreme Court and protests in front of the White House as soon as news broke, almost as if they already knew it was coming tells you what's going on here. This isn't just about the right to continue to murder the pre-born humans. This is about a final straw to get court packing. I mean, if you heard the chants of the protest at the Supreme Court, that's what they were chanting. Pack the court. Pack the court. They weren't saying women's rights. They weren't saying... Uh, anything involving the right to privacy, they were chanting, pack the courts. They don't like it when they don't get their way. They don't mind it when the system works and give them what they want, but they hate it when the system works and denies them what they want. If we pack the court, there is no going back. If we pack the court, that is the final straw, the last remaining vestige of a functioning republic. It's done. And all you have to do is look at every other country that has went from a democracy into the failings of a collectivist government to see how that happens. And you don't have to go that far back. All you have to do is look as close as Venezuela 
We've got like, what, 32 justices now on their so-called Supreme Court, all in an effort every few years to make sure that the justices know what side they're supposed to be on. They want to pack the court because they want to be able to continue to cram down their ideologies. They don't understand that they share a nation and they're supposed to come to an actual compromise with their friends and neighbors. They no longer buy into the idea that a federalist government is even appropriate. They want centralized planning in the hands of centralized government. They want a strong federal government that can overrule the states on every issue because they don't want places like Texas and Florida and Tennessee and Georgia and Alabama to be able to stand up and say, hey, guys, guess what? We do things a little different here. Around here we say grace. We say ma'am. And if you're not into that, well, hopefully you recognize that song verse. And uh, it's true. If you're not into that, we don't give a damn. Go back to where you come from and go be there. That's how we are able to come together. We have to agree on basic principles. And then for everything else, you want to continue to offer safe harborage to some place where people are going to just simply murder the preborn, then you do that. The same thing with same-sex marriage. That was the same thing that I was saying from the very beginning when that topic came back up again. I reminded everyone, this is a state's rights issue. It's not a federal issue. Nowhere in the Constitution does it talk about marriage. The federal government has no authority on the matter. Equal treatment under law doesn't apply here because there's no federal law that should be involved with marriage because there is no constitutional message of the concept. The federal government wasn't supposed to be involved here. The actual power and authority of the federal government is laid out very clearly in the Constitution. And then a bill of negative powers are put in place in the Bill of Rights. And the Tenth Amendment, that final Bill of Rights, the last of the original documents, the last of the parts that should be held sacred, says that anything that is not specifically mentioned here is held back to the authority of the states and or to the people. The federal government has no business being there. But this is about them trying to use a federal government that is out of control, that has overreached, that has went beyond its possible limits to become something more than it was ever meant to be. And it is a tool of tyranny. And even now, it is not too late to turn back. It is not too late to bring this corporation that currently exists back to being a republic, back to being a constitutionally federated republic as she was built, as she was founded, but a little bit closer to fulfilling the promises of the high-minded principles that were laid out on which this nation was built. The idea of all men being created equal and endowed by a creator, God-given rights, for which our government was constituted to protect those rights, not to grant them, not to give them to us, not to say, okay, well, we're taking this one back from you, but to protect those rights that were granted to us by a higher power. You don't have to believe 
in a higher power. You don't have to believe in a God specific to believe in the notion that even if it's just our better nature that is worthy of granting natural rights through natural law, you can see the value of what is here. But this leak, this leak is so very dangerous because we've seen exactly what would have been happening if we had waited till June. If this was June, roughly when we were expecting to get to see this, we, we know what would be happening. There would be this call to arms. It would be too late in this particular case to do anything about it. Now they have time. If they rush to pack the courts before, which is part of the reason why you're seeing so many people uh, calling for the court to go ahead and just make the announcement. But they're not to that point. They're not ready. This was just a draft, and the way the process normally goes, all these justices are still in deliberation. A leak at this point is designed to do one of a few things, and we'll get there in just a second. But they're not ready to just release this, but if they were to do it now, then clearly the five justices that are ready to overturn will do so, and they need to stand firm anyway. Part of me says, yes, go ahead as quickly as you can wrap up everything, and and this does put them on a fast-track timetable, but as quickly as they can wrap up the normal procedure, they just need to go ahead and do it so that nobody gets the bright idea of trying this again. It should not be allowed. It should not be permitted, and there should be severe punishment. In fact, I've heard multiple people kind of wavering back and forth on whether or not there's a crime here, Uh, but people I trust, people with strong judicial backgrounds and uh, serious time in court say there were crimes committed, there's undoubtedly crimes committed, and whoever released this should not only be removed from clerking for any judge anywhere, but should also be disbarred to the fact that they will never be permitted to practice law in this country, and if they can indeed prove a criminal, as well as any civil liabilities that come along with this, they should face those charges, they should be hit with the maximum Uh, allowable under the laws, penalties, and a strong message should be sent. It is absurd, absurd to believe that even for a second, some some of these theories that I've heard spout out, that was actually one of the right-wing clerks that released us because they were afraid that the the current five justices that were siding off for overturning uh, were... A couple of them were wavering and might have changed their minds. Well, that's all the more reason to have let this work out the way. Because the way it's supposed to work, they have these deliberations. And you typically have, if the chief justice is on the side of the majority, they'll work up the, uh, the draft. If they're not, then the most senior judge that's in the majority will work up the draft. And then... There will be a selection process for the uh, minority decision as they will write up their dissent. And then they circulate these back and forth. So it's an attempt before they do their finalized versions because there's usually a response to the dissent if the majority stays intact. It's ordinarily their last-ditch effort to try and convince one another to see things their way and have them change their mind before a final decision is made. Well, that's been completely upended. But more than that, 
there's only a few things that this would actually serve. This is an effort to try and bully justices into the will of a relatively large number, but nowhere's near a majority, of extremely loud voices, of scary-sounding voices, of potentially violent leftists, the same potentially violent leftists that are all the time going around talking about, well, you know, it was fiery, but mostly peaceful. I know I'm not the only one who's going to say this, but I have a feeling that because this has occurred now, we are probably heading for a very mostly peaceful kind of summer. From this point moving forward, there will undoubtedly be protests, which funny enough, when the left commits riotous actions that ordinarily could be considered ex- uh, <laughs> ordinarily could be considered insurrectionist, well, that's just a protest. But you let some right-wing person calmly walk through a building that where they were essentially trespassing but didn't know right. Well, that's an insurrection. It's all a matter of which side they're on and which side the perpetrator's on. If you're a useful idiot for the left, well, they want to give you every opportunity to get a free pass. If you're somebody who's standing up for what you think is right, then you need to do so in a lawful manner regardless of which side you're on. If it was to turn out that this leaker was one of the right-wing folks, the same punishment that I'm calling for, regardless, should be put in place. The individual, there should be an FBI investigation. Criminal charges should be brought. They should face the maximum and civil liabilities. And there will be civil liabilities because now, if they can't bully these justices into getting their way, there will be threats. There will be violence. These people are now in danger. They should have private security, each and every one of them, and not just the, the, the justices on the majority side, because we're living in a day and age where some left-wing nut job who's off their meds very well could say, you know what, if I shot Elena Kegel, that would probably get more sympathy uh, for the uh, pro-abortion uh, people. So if we're pro-murder of the unborn, if I kill one of ours, that'll make it look like the right wing has responded and we've got to push back. If you think that these folks are beyond that line of thinking, you haven't been paying attention. This has put every single one of these justices in danger. Every one of them. The more conservatives, the more left-wing. Sonia Sotomayor is in just as much danger as Clarence Thomas. Chief Justice Roberts, who's squishy middle of the road and by all reports seems to have been not in the majority but not really siding with the left either, was looking for some middle ground to try and uh, allow the Mississippi law to to stand uh, while also not overturning Roe v. Wade. But these people, they're all, every single one of them are in more danger now than they have ever been in their entire lives because they are targets. And the reason why I say they should have private security is because I don't trust any part of our government to, to adequately protect them. I don't trust the uh, FBI anymore because we know that at the top levels, they're more interested in covering their own butts and helping to push the leftist agenda. I don't trust the Secret Service anymore, although the individual agents are out there doing a great job. Again, folks at the top have been indoctrinated and are now left-wing political agents as well. The deep state is called deep state for a reason. I would not entrust the lives of my 
neighbor down the road that is constantly allowing their dog to dig up my yard. I wouldn't entrust their safety to one of these organizations. And I hate to say that because I, for the longest time, had been one of these people that's gun hole law and order support uh, <laughs> everything about the government, even when they're uh, running on the left's in charge and things aren't great. Uh, there's still good men and women do it. And there are very good men and women that are holding positions within these law enforcement agencies, but their hands keep being tied. They're handcuffed more than actual violent criminals are. It's absurd, but that's where we're at. And now each one of these justices, each one of them, is in danger. And this was all about trying to bully them, trying to get them to change their mind, trying to force them to acquiesce to the, the will of the left-wing protester, regardless of the fact that they once again want to deny people having the right to vote for themselves in the supposed quest to protect democracy. Guys, uh, I keep thinking that uh, somebody should say, Inconceivable! And then somebody should respond, You keep using this word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Because you don't understand. They, they do. Don't get me. The, the folks that are leading the charge, they completely understand the juxtaposition they constantly put folks in. But the average everyday follower of the left doesn't even understand that if you find yourself in a juxtaposition, that means there has typically been a failure in logic somewhere between point A and point B and where you ended up at. When we talk about these people whining about uh, we should forgive student deaths because it's, it's not reasonable to expect an 18 or a 19-year-old to understand everything that they were signing uh, when they were getting their student loans, but then these same people want to turn around and tell us that it's perfectly okay for a four- or a five-year-old to tell us, uh, you know, I know my name's Johnny and I'm a boy, but today I kind of feel like a girl. I think I want to be – I think I am a girl. And we're just supposed to suddenly put them on a fast track for body mutilations in the form of uh, <laughs> affirmation surgeries and chemical castrations in the form of hormone therapies or puberty blockers, depending on which one they want to utilize, which they end up having to do both anyway. One, lifelong ramifications that can prevent you from having a normal, healthy life based on a condition that at four or five years of age isn't even really a condition that if you get into your teens, start going through puberty and find yourself suffering from gender dysphoria, you still typically outgrow it before you get into your 20s. Yeah, we want to do that at four and five, but we want to pretend like, oh, well, do you think there's a juxtaposition? They've endangered these people's lives. They've endangered their lives in an effort to get what they want when all else fails. They're trying to burn down the system. They know they know that a red tsunami, not just a wave, but a tsunami is coming in the midterm elections. They know their last chance to, to push forward because they're losing the base. They're losing the parents. The parents have woke up to the fact that these people are claiming over and over again, oh, these aren't your kids. These are our kids. They're losing their base because 
too many people are starting to realize that when Joe Biden took office, things weren't quite that bad despite the COVID situation we found ourselves in. And now, now, things are falling apart and only getting worse. We're seeing record inflation. We're seeing an economy that makes Jimmy Carter's time in office look like a pleasant uh, a pleasant weekend. The absurdity goes beyond the acknowledgement of we we literally go from uh, five seconds ago uh, a man can be a woman to now well you know this is women's rights although I'm not hearing that men shouldn't even have a, a say in this matter these men don't understand what it's like to be a woman well uh, I'm officially changing my name to Tabitha and I now officially identify as a woman so I get to keep talking by your leftist rules I'm allowed to do that you can't tell me that I'm not serious you can't tell me that I'm not actually a woman. You can't tell me that I can't actually have a child. I can't give birth to a child because these are all things. I saw a story uh, earlier today about how midwives are now being officially trained how to help men give birth. And they include these imaginary anatomical diagrams that simply do not have any groundation at all in actual medical science is completely made up it's like technically this is an anatomical male and yes uh, if they were to be having a child this is what you would have to do what i mean we are literally living in a time where this is considered to be the norm this is thought to be okay i mean i look around and i keep thinking everything is awesome because it has to be right it has to be awesome because it's such a fantasy. All right, don't go anywhere. I'm going to have to take the mid-hour break. Stay right where you're at. I'll be right back after this. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go. You know the you know the thing. Joe Brandon, I agree. Yeah. I mean, he has made clear that. Uh, 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 No, no. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. If we are not in the final days, they cannot be far off. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, Eva Brunn, the world's first openly lesbian supposed Christian bishop, has mentally gone off the rails and is calling for the church to remove crosses and to install Muslim prayer space. The leftist lesbian bishop of Stockholm wants her church to basically turn from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and literally remove every single sign of the cross and put down markings showing the direction to Mecca for the benefit of Islamic Muslim worshipers. Bishop Eva Brunn has a young son, God help him, and fellow lesbian priest Ganella Linden, her wife, 
made the suggestion to make other faiths, particularly Islam, more welcome. In my humble opinion, Bishop Eva Brunn represents a dangerous latter-day practice of destroying the biblically-based bedrock of the Western world. Such dangerous theological unthinking is prevalent in many U.S. churches that have gone woke and no longer teach the true gospel, and the awful result of such tomfoolery is all around us. May we get back to God before America is all gone. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. I'm so tired of trickle-down economics. I, I never found that trickle-down on top of my head very much. I was listed, I was, had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you're in office. Big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back. What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. But the Ukrainian people, Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts, and I'm sure you're observing it. And I don't mean just the military, which is we've been trained in since back when they uh, Russia moved into uh, in, in the southeast southeast um, Ukraine, but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there. Sometimes you've been there. And we know none of the three occurred. Weapons could, if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would. It would trigger a response in kind. And we know none of the three occurred. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. And we know none of the three occurred. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. better start waking up from history because we are right there. We are on the cusp, and things are not going to get any better. Before we jump back into things, though, uh, I want to tell you about a, uh, a, an investment app that is out there. It is uh, a Beanstalks. Right, you probably heard of Acorns. You've probably heard of some of these others. Uh, a lot of folks have been trying to make the world of investing easier for folks to get into and it's understandable and the fact that you now have some of these partial share 
opportunities where they kind of collect together. And they're still buying whole shares at a time, but they let you spend so much to get whatever and build up over time. That's great. It's one of the things that Acorns does. But one of the things that's been kind of left out of the equation is what happens when you're kind of in the, the middle class. If you're in lower or upper middle class, uh, something like an acorn doesn't really work for what your goals are anymore. But you still don't necessarily want to get heavily involved with a platform like E-Trades or uh, the Swab in investment areas. So what you may want to do is look at something that's going to make your investment easy. And it's still relatively low cost, but you put yourself into a position where you have the financial means to get involved, but you still don't have the means to be like a big-time trader. Well, Beanstalks is kind of falling into that nice little niche. So I, I would like to invite you to check them out if you fall into that category. Now, obviously, if you're not in at least the middle, middle class and higher, probably not going to be uh, something that you really prefer. But if you're in that middle class, it's great because what they do is they invest for their clients using ETFs. Now, that's exchange-traded funds, and the reason is for diversification. It's easy to buy a whole lot of stocks and bonds in a single ETF. You basically just designed how you want your uh, portfolio to look. Uh, generally, there's a lot lower cost and more tax efficiency with these ETFs. And uh, ETFs are investment funds that uh, trade on the stock exchanges. So there is a pretty good amount of liquidity and flexibility. You can change things up. Uh, one of the things that makes this seriously simple investing, because that's what Beanstalk says that it is, uh, it's automated, it's hassle-free, it's personalized portfolios to fit your investment goals and your risk portfolio. It's investment focused on building wealth. It does automated rebalancing and dividend reinvestments and more. And there is a subscription fee. It is a $5 a month subscription. Outside of that, no surprises. They don't charge you the normal uh, transaction fees. Once you pay your monthly fee, uh, your investments are set up the way you want to, and you just have to fund the investments. And it really does come down to being uh, as simple as one, two, three. Uh, you download the app. You create your account. You can do so in just a few minutes. And then you start growing your wealth. It's just that easy. Uh, just so you know, uh, Mr. Kevin O'Leary is the current chairman of Beanstalks, and he's one of the co-owners. So uh, if you're familiar with Kevin O'Leary, most of you probably know him better as Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. He's a no-nonsense kind of guy. He's a heavily uh, invested in this. And when he's the chairman, you know that they're pretty serious about those numbers. So... Uh, there is a link in the show description. Uh, just copy and paste it and use it. Or if it's live where you're at, this link is short enough that it should take you to their homepage. Check them out. Now, for full disclosure, I do have a small amount of equity in Beanstalks myself. So uh, I do stand to benefit uh, should you decide to sign up and use this uh, feature. Although, yeah, again, full disclosure, as a, uh equity holder, that just means that uh, – I own a few shares of the company, and that's it. So, uh, hey, there you have it. It's uh, not exactly the same as me asking you to go visit uh, a place like 
I don't know, let's say my Patriot Supply, which I'm still highly recommending you do, please visit me over at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com, when you get the opportunity. And uh, I will also, uh, I haven't yet, but I will put up links to uh, uh, Beanstalks and a few other uh, companies uh, also on the page, but it'll probably be on the uh, Sponsors and Friends page. So uh, you'll probably need to check there. Uh, one more time, that's Beanstalks. That's B-E-A-N-S-T-O-X. Beanstalks. Seriously, simple investing. And with that being said, let's get back into the action, shall we? All right, so what are we looking at? We're looking at outcries, the gnashing of teeth, the pulling of hair, the, the screams on the streets. The, the left has completely lost their mind. You got AOC out there demanding that every last remaining pro-life Democrat be driven from the party. You've got Chucky e. Schumer talking about how they're trying to move forward quickly to pass laws to codify Roe v. Way ahead of this uh, release decision. You've got all kinds of folks demanding, demanding that uh, they pack the courts and that they destroy the filibuster. Now, you're not going to get the destruction of the filibuster at this point because, thankfully, you've got uh, Kristen Sinema and you have uh, our good friend Manchin from the uh, great state of West Virginia that are still standing up and saying, no, it is, it's not a good idea to do away with the filibuster. Without the use of of the ability to get to closure. They will never get to 60 votes. They'll never be able to pass a law about this. So it's interesting to see exactly where we are at. But I mentioned earlier that that we had uh, Bill Barr making a statement about possible criminal activities. I want to talk a little bit about his take on that. I want to kind of get there before we get to the end of this first hour, and I, of course, spent a little too much time talking about beanstalks. But, you know, like I said, I've got some equity in the company, so, hey, uh, go check them out. And if if it works for you, uh, sign up. Get an account. Anyway, it seems that the former U.S. Attorney General uh, was on on Tuesday with – our good friend over on Sirius XM's uh, The Megyn Kelly Show, you know, with Megyn Kelly. He was responding, of course, to the initial draft of the majority opinion of the Supreme Court ruling on the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization by suggesting that a crime may have been committed and that a special counsel may need to be appointed to deal with the matter. Uh, Quoting here, Barr said, I was flabbergasted. It really is unprecedented. Our institutions have become increasingly politicized, but I never imagined this could happen to the Supreme Court, which has always protected its confidentiality. And for someone to let this out in order to influence the final decision is really beyond the pale. So on the matter of what an investigation would look like, Barr said, quote, I think the chief would have had the option, and perhaps he still will, 
to appoint a special counsel, not in the classical criminal sense, but the court can appoint a counsel and he could bring in a former U.S. attorney or someone with criminal law background. And I'm sure he would get the support he needed from the FBI or any other law enforcement agency. Now, Barr said that the grand jury would likely be needed to get to the bottom of the case, which would mean that it is a criminal case in order to be able to, quote, compel the truth. Back to quoting, it could be obstruction, uh, obstructing the administration of justice, the due process of justice. Obstruction means that you're attempting to influence, you know, through some kind of wrongdoing. Barr said that he did not think that it was a stretch to think that criminal charges could be filed in the case. Back to quoting, I think they should spare no effort to get to the bottom of what happened. Once you expose the court to this kind of popular pressure and sort of potential mob psychology, well, it'll divert them from reaching a principled decision based on the merits. We go to a lot of trouble in our system to insulate the court so that they can do what they think is just under the law and, you know, this means that we're going to have sort of this street justice played out in front of the Supreme Court when, they, when they're considered controversial cases. Now, I've also heard from a learned attorney that these clerks do indeed sign non-disclosure agreements in order to try and help protect the sanctity of the court. When you work as a clerk for one of these justices, everything you do is meant to be confidential. Everything you do, all the official work, is meant to be silent. That's why they have all these hearings, and they deliberate, and they continue to deliberate while they're hearing other cases, and they kind of come to an initial conclusion, and then they work out these drafts and then they talk to one another and they share their drafts and they try to convince one another to to see if they can't change the minds of one or two and maybe change the outcome of the case this is an obstruction of judicial process but again i, I mentioned earlier how at risk these justices are at this point their lives are now at this moment in danger Somebody that's off their meds, somebody that's unwell, somebody that may be a left-wing nut job, somebody that may be a right-wing nut job may be thinking at this point in time that it's time to take matter into their own hands. They need protection. It needs to be private, professional, well-paid security. And at that point, this is one of those rare occasions where I would be okay with helping to fit that bill because these people, I don't agree with Elena Kagan very often. I don't agree with Sonia Sotomayor very often. I don't agree with any of the leftist activists, <laughs> hardly at all. But I don't want their lives to be put at risk because somebody thinks that they have to to break with tradition and break with uh, this unprecedented breach of 
of security. It's a breach of security. At the end of the day, this cannot be permitted to stand. The Supreme Court needs to move quickly now to make sure that there is no harm done to any of the justices and that nothing can be done to change the makeup of the court or that the legislative bodies finally have an opportunity to try to push through whatever it is they think they need to do. Because, again, there's nothing that they need to do. This decision, again, does not affect uh, how New York's current law is already post-Roe anyway. It goes far beyond what was permitted under the ideologies of Roe v. Wade. I mean, it, it's draconian. It's barbaric. It, it's literally allowing death up to the, the moment that uh, the child is supposed to be born in, in Virginia under the previous governor. Uh, the law that they tried to push would have allowed you to just let a child that survived an abortion attempt to just lay there and die. No attempt to resuscitate. No attempt to try and protect the life of that human child. I continue to hear the left talk about how, oh, it's not a person. It's just a, a clump of cells. Well, you remain just a clump of cells, just a collection of tissues through the entirety of your existence. At what point, boys and girls, does it become a human life? You can come up with any excuse to justify your desire for a simple form of contraceptive. But all of those will ever be our justifications. There is no longer a justification for getting yourself pregnant and then wanting to do away with, terminate said pregnancy. First and foremost, just don't have sex. It's pretty simple. If you're not ready to have kids yet, don't get involved in the risky behavior that might lead to you having a child start growing inside of you. Now, we know how popular that is, right? Celibacy is not something that's going to, to win over the hearts and minds of the kids these days, right? If I was to unload a TikTok video uh, trying to talk about the joys of celibacy, I would probably get a bunch of views because they would all be watching so that they then could mock me. And that's fine. I'm perfectly willing to still continue to stand up for the idea of virginity and celibacy until you're ready for children. But beyond that, if you're going to get involved in these risky behaviors, there are plenty of affordable and easily available contraceptives that are highly effective. Some of them even help to prevent the spreading of STDs, not just prevent pregnancies. And they're all out there. And there's no reason not to use more than one. And if you have uh, a female birthing person that's utilizing a couple of forms of contraceptive, and then the, the male in the relationship using a form of contraception, and then you still get pregnant, then you best let that child be born because that is a full-on miracle giving the reliability of the contraceptives. That is literally something that should not be possible. It is a blessing. It is a miracle. Let it happen. 
you're fulfilling some kind of prophecy if that's what happened. But no, no, no. You see, I, I don't want to be responsible, and then I get I don't want to be responsible enough to take any steps that might protect me from becoming pregnant either. So just ignore all that and give me the right to use the murder of this poor, innocent, unborn child as just one more means of contraception. It's, it's, I, I, what else is left? Look, the idea of this of abortion being sacred is evil. And again, I keep talking about how a lot of folks that typically have been voting for these leftist folks are starting to see through all of it. This is going to further reveal where these people are. They are literally going to start burning down cities in the name of protecting the right to murder the preborn. If you have a preborn human gestating inside your belly, you should be able to murder it. In fact, you should go ahead and murder it even if you don't want to, just to prove that you have the right to. That's the kind of insanity these people have been preaching for a while. The whole time they denied and denied and denied while they were fighting for the right. Abortions should be rare, safe, but legal. Well, they stopped saying rare, and they started demanding it be legal. They demand that it be safer than actually going full term with a child. So it's that was their intention all along. There's no doubt about this. There's no question. You don't evolve that far in such a short amount of time if it wasn't your intention from the beginning. Barack Obama, when he was running to become president, was still standing up for the idea that marriage is an institution between a man and a woman. Changed his mind shortly after being elected, mostly because the base demanded it. I don't see any inclination that uh, he really had strong feelings one way or the other, but how about this standing? How about the standing that the... Uh, the institution of marriage is a private, personal thing of which the government should have very little to do with and the federal government should have nothing to do with. How about that? Again, Constitution says nothing about marriage. Constitution says nothing about the murdering of preborn humans. It, except perhaps you could say in the preamble it talks about uh, the right to... Uh, Life in the uh, Declaration of Independence. It starts out talking about the the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. First primary right is the right to life. You have the right to live. There are so many ways to avoid and stop throwing out the red herring of rape, incest, or uh, when the life of the mother is endangered. All those are so rare and so infrequent that I think most people who are strongly against this colloquialism of abortion are still willing to permit in those rare cases it to happen. But it is a very rare case for all of them. They're not common. So let's stop treating the outlier like it's the reality, and let's start looking at the reality. And the reality is the left has tried to convince most young women in this country that if you've not had an abortion by the time you're 23, there's something wrong with you. If you're not promiscuous, if you're not having multiple partners every week, 
if you're not out there endangering yourself with this risky behavior, then there's something wrong with you. Maybe you're transgender. Maybe that's what's wrong with you. Maybe you're not really a woman. Although uh, five minutes ago, we needed a biologist, according to our soon-to-be-next associate Supreme Court justice, Ms. Katanji Brown-Jackson. Jackson Brown. Katanji Brown-Jackson, she is for real. Yeah, she's for real, all right. Just insanity, and, and they're going to continue to push it. So batten down the hatches, boys and girls. If you haven't already uh, gotten your uh, your supplies ready, you better hurry up because not only are the food shortages coming, but now the mostly peaceful summer is coming too. Uh, real quick before we uh, end things for this first hour, uh, time of the live broadcast is on May third of 2022 for the benefit of those of you listening to the rebroadcast that means that a lot of you are going to be hearing this on the fourth if you're listening to the rebroadcast and if that's the case that means that uh, primary elections are taking place in indiana and ohio and some of those ohio primaries especially the republican primaries have been wild and woolly so uh you know we'll be keeping an eye on that something tells me we'll be talking uh at least a little bit about that Next time we get together. In the meanwhile, once again, I must tell you, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain. Especially if you want to tap into the truth. And a message for Joe Biden one more time. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey.
much more from so much less You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. Imagine had the tobacco industry been immune to prostitute being sued. Come on. So when babies are born, the doctor looks at them and they make a guess about whether the baby is a boy or a girl based on what they look like. And most of the time that guess is 100% correct. There are no issues whatsoever. Um, and, but sometimes the doctor is wrong. The doctor makes an incorrect guess. Um, when the doctor makes a correct guess, that's when a person is called cisgender. When a doctor's guess is wrong, that's when they are transgender. The USA is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border And politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've gotta be free The way God made men Right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn into guns All the unions always ask for more All we buy is made on foreign shores Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay I've gotta be free
Damn you, when. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee. Uh, fighting a bit of a sore throat and uh, trying not to sound too awful, although I... <laughs> I have been told in the past when I've had a sore throat and still went ahead and done this that I sound better. Uh, in fact, there was uh, one occasion where I sounded so much like Alex Jones that uh, I got some comments later thinking that Alex Jones had uh, set in and subbed for me. It's like, well, it figures uh, Alex Jones would be on a show called Tap Into the Truth. Uh, sure, that's a very Alex Jones kind of thing. Anyway, those guys are completely nuts, and so is the rest of the political left. Man, oh man. For the benefit of those of you that are listening to Terrestrial Radio, time of the live broadcast is May the 3rd, 2022. It's Tuesday. It is a day after the leak of the Supreme Court's draft of the majority opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade. We constantly have heard a nonstop drumbeat for war from the left, declaring complete and total war on every institution that currently exists. We're going to pack the courts. We're going to destroy the filibuster. We're going to do this. We're going to do that because abortion is a sacred right. The right to murder pre-born human beings is sacred to the political left. You know, the left has done such a phenomenal job of convincing a lot of otherwise reasonably intelligent people into believing that somehow this act of evil is something that should be considered sacred, that should be protected, that should be encouraged. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. How how could anybody be pushed so far? I mean, I get the justifications. But we deal with a younger generation now that are old enough to start voting, and they've really never faced any hard times. They've never had to actually sacrifice. They've never had to deal with full-blown aggression to the point that they have to go out and create microaggressions against themselves so they can then turn around and say, see how bad things are? Meanwhile, all I have to tell you is uh, go visit Venezuela or go visit several of the African countries where people literally are fighting for survival every single day and then come back here and tell me how bad you have it. We are constantly accused of being one of the most oppressive nations on the planet by people that live here and have never set foot outside of the country. They have no idea how fortunate they are, how they prove that there is, in fact, no oppression against them by the freedom for which they get to go onto social media and express their opinion. That they're allowed to pursue whatever goals they wish to pursue. And how, as long as the leftists are in charge of our federal government, they'll be promised all kinds of crazy things that are only going to hurt the economy and further destroy the nation. 
They're literally creating a ministry of truth. Although Mayorkas is still going around trying to defend it and say, well, it's not going to have any operational authority. We're just going to be providing guidance to other uh, branches of the government that will have some operational authority. Okay, well, so then so what? Did the ringleader or somebody else that already has power to go around and force us to to go into whatever? You're going to say, well, we're not going to be monitoring Americans, but the FBI was. We talked about that in the last broadcast, not back in the first hour today, but in the last broadcast back on Sunday, back when we were talking uh, quite a bit about the Ministry of Truth. We were talking about how they want to do all this. Meanwhile, the FBI is literally doing hundreds, possibly thousands of warrantless searches of your metadata. You got caught up. They intentionally widened up the search net to drag in as many people as they could. So they're monitoring your texts, your phone calls without warrants. They don't need them. Don't need them. The due process, forget about it. But they still want us to trust them when they establish what is going to go around and tell everybody what is and isn't disinformation. Another story of part of the federal government, the CDC, you know, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Well, documents from the CDC are now showing that that agency tracked location data from at least 20 million phones in order to monitor compliance with COVID-19 policies. I want you to think about that for a second. 20 million phones to make sure that you were complying with your local COVID-19 policy. Now, Freedom of Information Act request from uh, Cyber, which is a cybersecurity podcast hosted by Vice's motherboard. Well, that uh, Freedom of Information Act, the FOIA request, it revealed that the CDC, quote, bought access to location data harvested from tens of millions of phones in the United States in order to perform analysis of compliance with curfews, track patterns of people visiting K-12 through schools, and specifically monitor the effectiveness of policy in the Navajo Nation. Now, this is all according to Vice. Not exactly a bastage of conservative journalism, okay? Now, the CDC paid data brokers SafeGraft wonder where the CDC got $420,000 to pay to safe graph. Oh, yeah, that'd be the federal government. Where do they get their money? Oh, well, they're just printing more, right? Wrong. They can print as much as they want to, but they have no money of their own, and it's the Fed, a group of banks that has nothing to do with the federal government other than controlling our monetary policy, not actually a branch of our government at all. They keep printing the money. Uh, Our government simply has to take money from us, the taxpaying citizen. So the CDC takes taxpayer dollars, 420,000 of them, to be precise, for one year's access to location data, quote, derived from at least 
That means low end of the number, at least 20 million active cell phone users per day across the United States. This, according to the CDC, it is right there in their documents. And according to these same CDC documents, uh, the data in question, it has been critical for ongoing response efforts, such as hourly monitoring of activity in curfew zones or detailed counts of visits to participating pharmacies for vaccine monitoring. Now, cybersecurity researcher Zach Edwards explained to Motherboard that the CDC seems to have purposefully created an open-ended list of use cases, which include monitoring curfews, neighbor-to-neighbor visits, visits to churches, schools, and pharmacies, and uh, also a variety of analysis with this data specifically focused on violence. Now, among the potential use cases for the data listed by the CDC, it includes tracking patterns of those visiting K-12 through schools by the school and compare to 2019, compare with Epimetrics, which is Environmental Performance Index, if possible. Examination of the correlation of mobility patterns, data, and rise in COVID-19 cases, movement restrictions, border closures, interregional and NIG curfews, you know, in order to show compliance. You will do as we say. Examination of the effectiveness of public policy on the Navajo Nation. Now, I would love to know why they singled out the Navajo in particular. Uh, Nothing against the Navajo. I'm just curious why they thought that they needed to keep a closer eye on them than, uh, say, the Cherokee or some other tribe that's still stuck on reservations in various parts of the country. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe the Navajos nation's more problematic. Maybe, maybe there are more troublemakers amongst them. I don't know. But I would love to know what the rationale is. I mean, I suppose it's possible they run more casinos than any other tribe. I don't know. I, I don't know that that's the case. There's got to be some reason why they singled out the Navajo nation, right? Doesn't there? Or is this much like anything else the CDC has done since the inception of the COVID-19 pandemic reaction. It's just kind of a case of, uh, somebody got an idea? Here, post up a bunch of ideas on the board. Now let's, uh, let's go halfway across the room, blindfold, throw a dart, and we're going with whatever you hit. Whichever one of those ideas you hit, we'll get Fauci to go out there and say that's what the science says. And then we'll tell everybody to follow the science. I don't know why we'll tell them that, because it's not like that's what we're doing. But, you know, we're going to convince people. Follow the science. Well, the science says that men can't become women magically because they choose to. (gasps) Now, stop that. Science says when CO2 levels uh, increase, uh, the weather, the climate typically warms. But that's normally good for plant growth, which in turn means more food and more biodiversity, and more oxygen. So life does well during these warm... Yeah, oh, no, no, that's, that's not science. That's, that's absurdity. 
Anyway, let's follow the science, the CDC says. Meanwhile, they're tracking your phones to make sure you were doing what they had told you. Now, these documents further show that although the CDC uses COVID-19 as a reason to buy access to the data more quickly, they intended to use it for more general CDC purposes. In fact, some of the use cases, including research data for physical activity and chronic disease prevention, you know, like visits to parks and gyms or weight management businesses, well, they have very little to do with COVID-19, unless, of course, you were going there in violation of local ordinances. The CDC purchased SafeGraph's U.S. Core Place data, Weekly Patterns data, and Neighborhood Patterns data. The latter product includes information such as home dwelling time and uh, is aggregated by state and census block. Meaning if you check that you're part of some minority, they're, they're breaking it down by were the black folks staying at home during the curfew hours more than the Hispanic folks? Were all the white folks over there being good little boys and girls and staying indoors? If you checked one of those boxes, which, of course, they expect you to do for the census, because they got to know. Breaking it down like that, that has nothing to do with any of the excuse they gave for doing this. Although the CDC used SafeGraph's data to analyze compliance with stay-at-home orders, you know, orders that came out in early as September of 2020, the CDC later bought access to the data because SafeGraph no longer wanted to provide it for free. So in other words, they had access to this information before they were tracking you through your phone data before but when safegraph said you know what uh it's cost us money to correlate this data before we give it to you so you know what we're not going to do that for free anymore you got some of the deepest pockets in the world you want to give billions of dollars for the ukraine that aren't in the budget you want to give billions of dollars to just hand out to keep people from going back to work why don't we cash in on that and get $420,000 for a year's access to this data. They didn't want to provide it for free any longer. So how long have they been monitoring you? <laughs> Here's the secret. may not have always been the CDC, but somebody in the government has always been monitoring you. I bet right now, if you have a Google Assistant on your phone, if you were to say, Google, search, blah, blah. In fact, my phone's trying to do it now, so I've got to turn that off. No. <laughs> it says, unlike the butterfly lens on, what? No. See? My, your phones are listening to you. They're spying on you. And uh, I've turned the freaking volume off so you don't hear responses but uh, you guys heard on air a few times where i'd be talking about something and then it would try to spout out some wikipedia whitewashed version that denied the reality of what i was telling you so at any rate cdc 
has interest in continued access to this mobility data as the country opens back up. This data is used by several teams and or groups in the response and have been resulting in what they describe as deeper insights into the pandemic as it pertains to human behavior. Now, I don't know if you realize, and maybe it's just me, but this is spying. This is spying by the federal government. This is spying by a branch of the government that really has no business spying on you. Not all that dissimilar to when the Social Security Administration was buying up hundreds of, uh, hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammo back under the Obama administration. You remember that? I do. Now, I guarantee you this information is being used for more than just deeper insights to the pandemic reaction. It's being used because this particular branch of the government isn't often thought of as being one that would be spying on you. So they're, they're able to move around these dollars with less scrutiny. They're able to manipulate this data with less scrutiny. And then they can just drop the reports onto the desk of somebody who's going to have operational authority to act. That sound familiar? Sound a lot like what Mayorkas was talking about with the uh, Ministry of Truth. There's a little disinformation governance board. Now, I'm going to have a much harder time calling it that, I, that, even though that's the proper name. I'm going to keep calling it the Ministry of Truth because that's what it is for all intents and purposes. It is the Ministry of Truth. I find myself uh, getting a little chuckle because I've been saying for a while now, uh, more frequently recently, but I've been saying for a long time that when Orwell wrote 1984, it was intended to be a warning, not a roadmap. I'm starting to see memes showing up on uh, social media that says uh, that shows a picture of 1984 uh, <laughs> in it, and the caption was. It was meant to be a warning, not a, uh, not a road map. Well, the left has us on that map, and the warning has not been heeded is the problem. People tend towards tyranny for as long as they're permitted to do so. And this is just one more step towards tyranny. It is unlawful by the Constitution for any part of the federal government for any reason to keep these kind of tabs on you without having a warrant to do so. But all they've done is bought access to collected data. Now, the collected data is being uh, tracked by a third-party group that has purchased your phone information from your service provider, and somewhere in your service agreement for your cellular uh, service provider, uh, they have... It may not even be hidden anymore because everybody knows they're there. Some of them are just putting it out in the plain text. But somewhere in the small print for most of your services through most of these providers gives them permission to sell your data. Same thing with uh, your Internet stuff. How do you think uh, 
a internet uh, search engine is able to do anything for you at no charge. It costs a lot of money to upkeep their servers and keep their connection and keep them uh, able to manipulate all the way through all the different interwebs. Well, they're selling your data. You are the product. If they're not charging you a fee for the service, then you are the product, period. But here's something to keep in mind. Back in the first hour, we talked a bit about the leaked Supreme Court draft that will bring about an end to Roe v. Wade. That it has been uh, authenticated as being legitimate. Seems to me that uh, folks that know the law better than I do are pretty confident that there is a criminal act here in this leak. But it was leaked for an intentional purpose. It was leaked to threaten, to bully, to manipulate. But it was also meant to be a triggering event to allow them to, to fulfill their little wish list of stuffing the court and ending the filibuster and, and doing away with the concept of actual democracy because, you know, in democracy, the people get to vote. They want to end the whole notion that we might be able to someday return to a truly limited constitutional federated republic which is what we were built which would be the single greatest form of government that we could have it allows for individual liberty it allows for maximum freedom it allows for protection of minorities against the majority which is something democracy does not do that's why we like the idea of a republic more than just a democracy this could be this could be the final event that starts starts something where either we do find our way back together or where we pull apart to the point the likes of which we have not seen in this country since Abraham Lincoln was president. If you want to take to the streets because you're not happy about what is going on, then take to the streets and protest legally. Legally protest, and I will support your right to express your opinion. I'm not going to agree with you. I'm not going to agree with your opinion. I pretty much think that the murder of the pre-born humans is wrong, that it's morally unconscionable. I believe that there will be blessings upon this country for those states that take action to quell this activity. But I fully believe in your right to get out and hold your little sign and, and say all your nonsensical arguments for the murder of the pre-born humans. You've got a right to go out and show everybody how wrong you are. You do. But the instant that protest crosses the line into rioting, you need to be squashed. You need to be taken into custody. You need to be charged to the fullest extent of the law. There should not be any 
bail forgiveness. There should not be any free rides, and you should face the maximum amount of consequence for your action once it becomes a riot if you participate. If you're there to protest and a riot breaks out, you best get out of Dodge if you don't want to be uh, rolled up in it. Because we are either going to learn to come back together realizing how wrong this was from the beginning, realizing how few people have been pushing this agenda, realizing that there is a large number, although far be it, far, far off from anywhere close to a majority of people who have been brainwashed into believing that this is some fundamental right. We need to educate those folks. We need to teach them how their thinking went wrong. We need to teach them to critically think for themselves instead of regurgitating this crap that's been forced down their throats during their indoctrination. And if we do that, we can come back together and treat those outliers, those noisy, noisy outliers, like the weirdos on the fringes that they really are. And we can invite them to move to places like New York and California and any other state that wants to become a safe haven for the murder of the freeborn. They can get out of Texas. They can get out of Tennessee. They can get out of Florida. They can leave Louisiana. They can leave Mississippi. Get on out of Alabama and go somewhere where they want to let you do this behavior. That's your right, too. Or you can stay right where you're at. You can move to one of these states. And you can voice your opinion, but you need to understand you're a minority here. You've got a right to speak your mind. You do not have a right to force your ideas on the people around you. You just don't. You don't like how we conduct business. You don't like the fact that we still uh, believe in going to church on Sundays. We believe in being polite to individuals in common practice. That we believe in standing up for one another. That we believe in owning firearms and using firearms, especially in defense of our property and in defense of our neighbor's property. You don't like any of that, then don't come here. And certainly don't try to mess with our politics. Just understand. But if you want to go to the streets and instead of reasonable legal protests, you want to start burning down cities, you want to start destroying private property, you want to start destroying public property, then don't be surprised if the people in your neighborhood, especially if the police in your area have once again been handcuffed by the spineless, or worse than that, agenda-driven politicians, if the neighbors, the people living in those communities start pushing back, start putting you in line, you ain't got a right to, to whine about it. You don't have a right to complain about it. You don't get to say, oh, now the police need to show up and to protect me. No, you start that. Don't be surprised if it happens, and don't be surprised that if you start the violence, if you're not met with equal violence in return. And I'm not calling for that. But I'm afraid that's where we are. I'm afraid that this may set off the powder keg. I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope we do the pulling back together. I really, really do. But part of me, 
part of me thinks that we may be too far down that road to repair it without a full reset. So I'm not telling you, go out and be part of the pushback. Not at that level. Not start getting involved with a shooting civil war. But I am telling you, you best be prepared for when the violence comes. You need to be prepared in a multitude of ways. You need to have enough of uh, security food ready. You need to be ready to not be able to go to the grocery store for weeks, maybe months. You need to be prepared for water to not be prepared. If you live inside a city and city services are how you're relying on, be prepared that that may go away. And I don't say these things to try to scare you. I don't like sounding like a doomsday guy. In fact, the uh, when we return from the break, I'm going to tell you about a company that uh, it's going to sound like I believe the complete opposite of what you're saying. And there's a reason why I got involved. So we'll do that here in a minute. We'll go ahead and take that mid-hour break. I just want to tell you, though, right now, be prepared for the worst. Hope for the best. Pray for the best. Pray for each other. But prepare for the worst. And right now, the worst is looking like it can get pretty bad. So, uh, you know, don't go anywhere just yet. Is I will be back right after this brief break. Come on, man! All men and women created by the gold. You know the you know the thing. You're a lime dog face pony soldier. I got hairy legs. The U.S. economy has endured the abysmal policies of the Biden regime, and results are not promising. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Since the first day of the Biden regime, rickety Joe Biden has enacted only negative policies to ensure long-term damage and a big slowdown of the U.S. economy, starting with the shutdown of the U.S. fuel industry by not allowing the Keystone Pipeline and refusing to allow drilling on federal lands and making up more and more environmental extremist restrictions which have nothing to do with cleaning up the environment but are designed to cripple the economy and have taken their toll on our ability to simply run a business, open a new business, make simple purchases of food items, clothing items, or even gardening tools due to inhibiting restrictions and regulations and policies that were designed to chase manufacturing out of our nation, making us dependent upon a choked-up supply line. So now the U.S. economy has shrunk 1.5%. China's economy grew 4.8%. Time for a change, America because more of the same will likely destroy our exceptional nation way of life. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N- not. In okay. this context, so I'm not a biologist. The- it is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. 
Every day it is time for us to agree. We have the ability to see what can be, unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. Inconceivable! I think everyone here recognizes how extraordinary space is. Whether it is satellites that orbit the Earth, humans that land on the moon, or telescopes that peer into the furthest reaches of the universe. Space is exciting. It spurs our imaginations. And it forces us to ask big questions. Space, it affects us all. And it connects us all. There are so many opportunities in space for our country and for all of humanity, from science to commerce to national security. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! Thunderdome's simple. Get to the weapons, use them any way you can. I know you won't break the rules. There aren't any. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. We are taking care of business right here. And speaking of taking care of business, there is another business I would like to tell you about. Back in the first hour, I told you about Beanstalks, a great new app for investing that you know, is primarily developed for the middle class, which has often been overlooked in the creation of investment and stock purchasing. Uh, this one designed to... Uh, automate investment to automate your wealth growth uh, through uh, exchange traded funds well this is a different company that i'd like to talk to you about right now talking about the black bread company it's bold it's fresh (laughs) the uh the black bread company has an official online store so you can order they they ship to lots of different places they have a very unique story It's a story of three friends, Charles Alexander, Mark Edmund, and Jamal Lewis. These three best friends, all from the south side of Chicago, they partnered up to start what turned out to be a a historic venture. Turned out to be the first ever black-owned sliced bread company in in the whole world, believe it or not. That, to me, seems so mind-boggling. It was really surprising to me. Now, I I heard the story of this company on the Ellen DeGeneres show uh, a while back, and uh, it seemed to me that as they were telling this story, they seemed to kind of be coming from a woke perspective. They kind of started during the George Floyd riots, and they decided, you know, that uh, things were getting bad, and they, they needed to get together and try to do this thing, and, you know, here they are. They put together this this company and they do something that hadn't been done now they've got they've got a quality premium white bread they've got a wheat bread and then they've got soft buns for hamburgers and soft hot dog buns these are the breads that are generally available 
But what stood out to me is once I read a little bit more about their story is part of the funds that they were growing, they used to reinvest in the company, to build it up, to make it stronger, to make it better. And they have this very, very unique business plan, the model itself, because they sell direct locally. They've worked on getting into some grocery stores locally, and they do this online. They were not only are they selling the bread, but they've got some uh, pretty cool, uh, pretty cool uh, merchandise too. Uh, some hoodies and hats and some other cool stuff. Now, what set them apart though wasn't all those things. What sets them apart is where they were spending some of that money in reinvesting in the company to grow it, make it better, to make it stronger. They were also spending part of the income on the community there locally they were working through projects for uh, job retention programs helping to develop people's self-worth helping them to do the one thing that the biden administration and that most leftist most woke skulls don't want you to do work because, you see, if you work, if you earn your way, you have a level of self-worth that you just don't get through any other thing that you might do. There is no job so menial that it should be looked down upon. And every job, no matter what it is, if you agree to do it, you should do it to the best of your ability. If you're going to be a dishwasher, be the best dishwasher you can be. If you're going to be a janitor, be the best janitor that that company you're working for could ever do. And if you're going to become a bread company, become the best bread company you can be. That's something that the black bread company has done, I think. But again, it was that notion of doing the things that Black Lives Matter the the organization claimed that they wanted to do. These folks saw that that needed to be done, and they took it upon themselves to actually do it. And it was at that point that I found a new level of respect for these folks and decided that this is a company that I can support. Not because I think we have a shortage of bread companies in the world, although there may very well be a shortage of bread very soon. But because these people literally put their money where their mouth is. They put in the work. They're putting in sweat equity. They're building something that isn't just about them but also is truly, honestly making their community better. So I wanted to help promote them. And as a process, I also have ulterior motives, which I'll get to in a minute. But I, I would be trying to promote these folks and their story anyway once I saw what it is they do. Because it isn't about the bread, which the bread is actually pretty good. It's about their commitment to their community, legitimately trying to help people to have that job. That is fantastic. I can't think of anything, even if they were as woke as they kind of seemed like they may have been at the start of this little venture. And, and I don't know for sure that's where it is. It's just kind of how they came across when, when I saw them. But even if they were, nothing is going to red pill them faster than trying to run a business and trying to help other people to keep jobs. 
They're not just taking responsibility for themselves and their families, but for their community, and that is fantastic. So in the show description, there will be a link to the Black Bread Company, and I would like to highly recommend you uh, take a visit and, uh, you know, ponder possibly supporting the business in some fashion, whether you're purchasing actual bread and having them shipped to you, or if you're actually in the Chicago area, uh, visit them directly or look for their product in your local grocery store. Possibly purchasing some of their merchandise online, whatever you'd like to do. But remember, you're not just helping these guys. You're literally helping everyone in their community. And stuff like that tends to grow outward. A place like Chicago needs the kind of hope and positivity that this company is bringing. Now, again, full disclosure, I do own a small amount of equity in the company. Again, much like with Beanstalks, just a tiny amount. But that's a case of me being so enamored with their their mission statement to do that for their community that I decided I wanted to help them in a very real way. Now, hopefully at some point down the road, that investment might turn into something of value for me, but that's literally not where I'm at with this particular investment. I will, just like with Beanstalks, put a link on the uh, website. You'll need to look for the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the sponsors and friends of the show page. I'll put a link there. It's not up there right now, and if by the time you hear this, you come visit Tap Into the Truth and you still don't see it, I apologize. I just haven't gotten around to it, but I will be putting it up there. I do have a little self-interest involved by virtue of having some equity in the company. And having that little bit of equity in the company, obviously, I want them to do well because if they do, I do well. But I still want them to do well because they're trying to help make Chicago a better place. And if you can make Chicago a better place, if you can bring hope back to Chicago, if you can stop the violence on the streets because people have a better outlook on life, and I don't see any reason why a company like this led by these three guys can't be a catalyst to lead to something like that, then you can bring a little more sunshine and joy to the whole world. So, again, uh, show description, it'll be there, and I will have something up at the website not long uh, after this. So, with that having been said, while my voice is desperately trying to Let me know I've been talking far too long, this being the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast where I started out with a sore throat and have been doing okay at hitting the button so you don't hear me coughing directly into the microphone. I still have this feeling that one's going to sneak up on me and I'm not going to be able to edit it out. It's going to be bad. Got one more story I wanted to talk to you about, and it has to do with the ongoing insanity around Elon Musk's decision to purchase Twitter. Again, the people that want to save democracy by taking away the people's right to decide for themselves at the state level are also the same people that want to protect free speech by taking away your free speech. Uh, It's a weird thing. But Musk is a fighter. He's a smart guy, too. I mean, he didn't get to where he's at by not being extremely crafty and 
he has taken advantage of opportunities, some of which I felt like were at the expense of American taxpayers, and I have written about that. Uh, there are articles uh, that were put. One of my articles that was actually picked up by uh, American Greatness was one of the criticisms of Elon Musk. Hasn't the government done enough for Elon Musk? And this was a while back. I think that one was back in 2018. So it's been a few years. And I'd like to remind everybody that Musk is not a conservative. He's not some white knight hero. He's the kind of guy that you can like when he's on your side, but he's not always going to be on your side if you're a conservative. He's just not. He's, but he's a smart guy, and I like a lot of what he does. I just wish he relied more on his own wealth as opposed to, which is what a big part of what he's done with this Twitter takeover, but a lot of what he's done with SpaceX and a lot of what he's done with Tesla has been at the behest of American taxpayer dollars. Anyway, naturally everybody on the left has made Musk a target since he's made it clear that he wants to bring conservative voices back to the Twitter platform. That's really basically all he said. He wants to do away with permanent bans but he's still perfectly okay with giving timeouts for people that violate whatever the new community standards are going to be. I would generally be okay if the community standards were just equally enforced across the board, which we know they're not, even though they claim that they are over at Twitter. They're saying all the time, oh, we, we, we treat everybody who violates the standards. No, you don't, and we see it. Every day we see it, at least if you're over on Twitter every day at any rate. So anyway, Elon Musk now has called for an investigation into these far-left groups that are reportedly pressuring advertisers on Twitter to boycott the platform if Musk rolls back the platform's content moderation policies, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's already said he's going to do. The problem is rolling back the uh, content moderation in so what he said is basically just going to say, hey, conservative opinions are once again welcome here. That's not saying we're going to unleash all of the white supremacists that still exist out there, all, all 12 of them that are going to show up and suddenly join Twitter, even though that's been the accusation. Anyway, quoting here. Some of the nation's biggest brands, including Coca-Cola, Disney, and Kraft, are facing calls to boycott Twitter if the company's soon-to-be owner, billionaire Elon Musk, rolls back content moderation policies limiting hate speech and election misinformation. This is being quoted from a report from CNN, by the way. That report continues. <clears throat> In a letter sent to brands this past Tuesday ahead of the 2022 New Fronts Digital Advertising Conference, more than two dozen civil society groups said marketers should secure commitments from Twitter to retain its most critical policies, including on civil integrity and hateful conduct, and threaten to withdraw funding if Twitter does not comply. Now, some of the far-left groups that signed on to this uh, little letter include such fine folks as Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, 
GLAD, Media Matters for America, NARAL, Pro-Choice America, and the Women's March, which, you know, that real creative name, guys. We're the Women's March. Really? I thought the Women's March was the march that took. No, we do it. That's just the name of the organization. We, we keep doing it. Okay, anyway. The letter, in part, says, As top advertisers on Twitter, your brand risks association with a platform amplifying hate, extremism, health misinformation, and conspiracy theorists. Under Musk management, Twitter risks becoming a cesspool of misinformation with your brand attached, polluting our information ecosystem in a time where trust in institutions and news media is already at an all-time low. Your ad dollars can either fund Musk's vanity project or hold him to account. We call on you to demand Musk uphold these basic standards of community trust and safety and to pull your advertising spending from Twitter if they are not. Okay, so you're claiming that Twitter's not currently a cesspool of misinformation? Political activists pretending to be journalists or experts? Are you seriously saying that Twitter risks becoming this because you think it's not already that? Are you so far into your own echo, ch uh, echo, echo chamber that you don't understand that what you're saying is a cell phone? I mean, do you really not get it? And when you talk about institutions and news media already being at an all-time low for trust, who do you think is responsible for that lack of trust? Those people on Twitter pretending to be journalists, the little blue checkmark folks that uh, stay in their echo chamber and just believe so much of what they're saying. And, and I don't even know that they believe that much of it, quite honestly. But I know they love toting the line. Big words. Well, Musk responded in a tweet to this letter, and he asked point blank, who funds these organizations that want to control your access to information? Let's investigate. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. Once again, I find myself thoroughly enjoying Elon Musk's retort, and I hope he stands by these principles. Now, this particular letter comes after Twitter's board of directors unanimously approved an acquisition by Musk last week. You know, the $44 billion sell valued at $54.20 per share. And yeah, I definitely get the joke. Now, yeah, at first, I kind of missed it. I, I thought it was an extremely odd number. It's like that seems an oddly specific number. Wonder if that's designed to reach a certain exact percentage over the current value that would simply be deemed to be the minimum amount that would be still too good of an offer to refuse, short of uh, failing to meet fiduciary responsibilities. 
But then once I took the 50 out of there and then just saw 420, it's like, yeah, okay, that's another Elon marijuana joke. Okay, I get it now. Got to admit, I was one of the last ones to the party, but then fortunately nobody had to explain it to me. I did get it, but it, it's just at first I was like, uh, some folks are saying that's a marijuana joke. And then it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Have to admit it, I didn't get there immediately. Usually I pick up on stuff that pretty quick, but uh, Elon's sense of humor is still new to me, I guess. So Elon says, let's see who's funding these organizations, and that seems like a reasonable uh, <laughs> seems like a reasonable thing to want to do. Elon also said last week, attacks are coming thick and fast, primarily from the left, which is no surprise. However, I should be clear that the right will probably be a little unhappy too. My goal is to maximize area under the curve of total human happiness, which means uh, about 80% of the people in the middle. Musk then added in a separate tweet, quote, for Twitter to deserve public trust, it must be politically neutral, which effectively means upsetting the far right and the far left equally. So again, Elon's basically just saying what he's been saying since the beginning. If you want Twitter to become profitable, which it's astounding considering that almost all news from mainstream legacy news outlets propagates its way through Twitter, it's surprising, it's amazing that it hasn't been profitable. It's been one of the least profitable social media platforms despite its apparent reach, despite its having become the echo chamber of choice for the left. He's basically just saying that all I want to do is stop it from being an echo chamber. If I can bring in the majority of people, then we can maximize the number of eyes that are seeing the advertising. And he's got some other ideas that are subscription-based, and we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I don't know. Again, I'll remind you that he's a very, very smart individual. He hasn't gotten where he is by not being clever, by not having vision that goes beyond what most people can see. So he has plans. There's no doubt. There's no question. And I'm here to tell you that he's not a right-wing um, He's not a right wing guy. He's kind of a down-the-middle guy who leans slightly to the left for the most part. He is going to upset some people before everything's said and done that are currently cheering for him. There's some people right now that believe he's Batman and he's here to save the city, and then they're going to find out he's more the Joker because that's his mindset. Again, uh, the stock price itself, they offer five fifty four twenty. You take that 50 out. He's offering them 420. Here, puff, puff, pass. This guy is not someone who's there to save the day for conservative values. But right now, he's saying the right things and he's doing the right things, and Twitter will be better for it. That's going to have to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for staying with me through the entirety, especially if you made it through the whole two hours listening to the podcast version. In the meanwhile, Remember, don't take my word for it, not one little bit, but please, please don't take their word for it either.
take some time, put in the effort, do your homework, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, one last message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go, hey. let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, in both hands Founders knew the second amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Mao, me and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family Using both hands.